Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I am good. I am so excited to have you on. <laughs> good to be here. Super excited too. Yeah. So I have a special guest on today. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Nell Nicole and I wrote sci fantasy, really weird post-apocalyptic genre mash rising it. and it's a new adult novel. I love it. I love it. It's like my absolute jam. Like as soon as Shay and Lindsay posted about it, I was like, I will take one of those <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm so happy you got your hands on it. I was really nervous to release it out into the world. So yeah, it's I feel like it is. It's a lot it's like for your debut to kind of get out there and be like, okay, it's finally time. But I don't know. I think the community, it's wild. It's so different than it was like five years ago, even. And like people are so nice and just like really understanding. And I don't know, it's so fun. But I get how could me nerve wracking for you guys. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like I haven't read anything like it before. So I yeah. just there was an audience for it so I'm happy that's been well received so far yeah I think like all of the divergent hunger games like maze runner girlies are like dying for this you know what I mean yeah yeah absolutely I love it I'm like dystopian all the way I mean also the last of us just came out like everybody's in that zombie post-apocalyptic era so you're good (laughs) that was so crazy I that book came out or the show came out in the middle of my edits and I had never played the game or anything mm. else like that and my mom was like hey this is kind of like your book and I was like watching it and I yeah. was just like I hope no one thinks that I uh, <laughs> got-, <laughs> got any ideas from this no okay. it definitely <laughs> it's fine as long as Pedro's in it we're all gonna like it so if it's anything like that it's good <laughs> yeah we'll just call him Prescott then <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> I mean, pretty similar. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so we start all of our interviews off with a series of questions. So we'll start with the first one, which is what is your favorite standalone? My favorite standalone is Lord of the Flies. Um, I know I mentioned it in my book, but it's just one of those books. I originally read it when I was in high school, AP English time, and it just stuck with me to the point where every single time I had to write an essay, I was writing about that book. I just really feel like it really encapsulates just human beings and civilization in general. So I actually kind of draw from that within my own book too. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those like underrated, I guess you could, I think it's a classic like technically, but it's like one of those very like underrated ones. And I think there's a lot of books, especially like coming out recently that like you said, encapsulate that sort of Lord of the Flies. And like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I like it a lot because it's very brutal and I'm not a big like Jane Austen girly or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Lord of the Flies and like Call of the Wild are like my classics that I go to. So yeah, I love yeah. that. Call of the Wild was one of my childhood favorites. I don't, I don't remember what they're called, but they were like those kids versions yeah. of classics. Yeah, I, I devoured those. <laughs> yeah, I reread it recently, like, I don't know, four or five years ago. And I was like, oh my God, this is like very brutal for children to be reading. <laughs> like, this is a lot. But yeah, no, it's so good. I love Lord of the Flies. That's a, that's a really good one. Have you read The Grace Year at all? No, I haven't. I was going to say that that's a very similar, like a feminist retelling type of version of Lord of the Flies. I'm going to have to write that down. What's it? Yeah. The Grace Year. Year? Yeah. It's like a pink cover and the girl has like, it's a girl with like a braid. Okay. It's very, very good. I feel like I've seen that on Book Talk. Yes. It like popped up, I think like two years ago. It was really, really popular right when it came out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Very good one. If you like Lord of the Flies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, it's good. Okay. So what is your favorite series? That's so hard because most of the books that I read are series. So I think I have to go with two. So the one that got me back into reading again, because I read my entire childhood and then I stopped in school, like college yeah. time. So I have to say Zodiac Academy. Ooh. But books one through like six specifically okay. <laughs> uh, and then seven eight and hopefully whenever we get nine uh, to be determined <laughs> yeah 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 they and get then, really long <laughs> they do they do um and then my second one is actually Michaela Renato's books the first one's out the sunstorm in the shadows I was an alpha reader for her second one secret of the serpents <sighs> 
obsessed obsessed <laughs> I I was telling her I think that she might be like up there for me one of my favorite series ever it's just oh I love that that's awesome yeah yeah it's cool when you get to like pre-read too and then you're like okay well now I get to know everything that happens but then you have to like wait even longer than everybody else and you can't share your thoughts so rage screaming after I finished and I was like I'm gonna stand over your shoulder as you write this because I need you to have it out now that's right that's right right. and you can't like yell with anyone else because you're like I'm alpha reading this so like nobody else knows what's going on that's the worst yeah that's awesome I will definitely have to check that one out I love it yeah, I've only read like half of the first Zodiac Academy. And then I was like, I don't know if I have it in me to commit. I think it was fine. It's nothing like that. I didn't like not like it, but mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know if I have it in me for like 19 books because they're very long. And there's like the boys POV. And I was like, it's not not right now. <laughs> I haven't read the boys POV. I've just read the main series. I haven't read their novellas or anything like that, but it is a journey but definitely yeah. I, I binge read them I actually finished it par- fairly quickly but I had only I'd started reading when up to book seven was out yeah so I did have to wait for number eight yeah yeah totally valid I love that I might have to give it another shot <laughs> okay so who is your ultimate book boyfriend I've got two again um <laughs> because I have decision making problems my first one I feel like everyone says this. It's Rowan from the Throne of Glass series. Salad, okay. Book <laughs> Daddy. Um, and then the second one was is Cree from Michaela's series. Okay. Is this Shadow Daddy? Nice, nice. We love that. We love that. <laughs> Corley Gray, Broody, MMC, just delicious. I'm so obsessed with him. Oh, I like that. Okay. I think about him all the time. <laughs> yeah, you're just like living rent-free right there. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Oh my God, I love that. Okay, that, those are good. Those are good choices. I like that. So who's your ultimate book girlfriend? It would be Aelin from Throne of Glass. Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. I feel like um, even my main character, Maya, she's very Aelin coded. Yeah. Um, I just really like the character development that she mm-hmm. went through throughout another very long series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she's just so strong and powerful and badass and just like doesn't give a shit about anything or anyone what they have to say just total girl boss love her totally fair I okay (laughs) (laughs) I am not a big fan of Aelin but I appreciate what you're saying (laughs) I she's very hit or miss for people yeah yeah I really like Bryce like Bryce is one of my favorite FMCs yes so like I think she's a very matured version of Aelin so I have a really hard time going back and being like oh I love Aelin so much it's like (laughs) like I'm so invested in Bryce, I think. I, I can see that. I really like her too. I think that out of all three of those series, yeah. it would be Aelin, Bryce, and then... Feyre. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's like <laughs> such a funny debate to me too because everybody's like, oh, Feyre's so boring. And it's like, yeah, but I remember if we all go take a look back, she mm-hmm. was like a hunter and like did fend for her family. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think she gets a little like, I don't want to say soft, but like she gets a little soft as the series goes on. And she's like, not quite as cool. Like the first book, she's so cool. And then after that, she's like, I'm a painter. And I'm like, all right, cool. cool yeah, cool. she's in her soft girl era. <laughs> yeah, she's in her wifey era. Like, all right, girl, you do you. <laughs> totally valid. Okay, I love that. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in your writing journey? Yeah, I have to give the typical writer response where I've been writing my whole life. Yeah. I started, funny enough, I started in elementary school and my writing actually got me written up because (laughs) the the teachers they had these things called squiggle books and they would the teachers would draw like a squiggle and we'd have to finish the drawing and write a little story on it and I decided that it'd be totally appropriate to write a killer teddy bear and like it to my class (laughs) but it was so good that after they spoke to my parents the teacher let me keep writing it and so (laughs) I, I started writing that and I would just go home and at that time I thought I could draw too. So I would draw my characters and then write a little story about them. And then when I got to college, I switched to like the academia space just because of my major and everything. Um, and I had like a blog for politics and current events and anthropology, history, stuff like that. And then after I graduated from my master's, it's funny, I got bored and I was like, <laughs> In the Discord chat, and I was like, hey, I have this idea, 
and it was with a bunch of writers and I was like you guys should write a book about this and they're like no actually you should write a book about this <laughs> and so I just started writing I was like okay 10,000 words and then it got to 20,000 words and then it got to 70 and then I realized that I really wanted to know the ending so I had to write it myself and here we are <laughs> amazing I love that I love it so much yeah I feel like I don't know it's crazy to think like people stay consistent throughout they're like oh I started writing when I was younger and then it's like taking you you know through your whole life as something you always did I I like envy that I don't have an original thought in my head so I find (laughs) it very fascinating I'm like I have this idea it's like oh no that was already done never mind (laughs) yeah well that's what happened with me with the last of us (laughs) yeah well (laughs) No, I love that. I think it's really cool. And like, it's been, I'm sure for you, a very wild journey over the last like few years slash months of writing this. Yeah, I actually started writing this book in December. Um, And then I published in June. So it happened very quickly. Yeah. It became my um, little hyper addiction. I love it. We we all have to have hobbies, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's actually, I hadn't had a hobby in years. And so I was glad that I found this, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's easy to go down the rabbit hole of, of the book world, I think. It sucks mm-hmm. you right in. So can you give us a spoiler-free overview of Rising and what it's all about? Oh, gosh. Okay, an elevator pitch. So Rising is, I'll start with, like, the overarching themes. It's just very focused on, like, mental health, hope, and humanity, um, focusing on getting through grief. It starts with Amaya, our main character, a total badass she's a general of a settlement slash compound called the monterey compound in california and this is five years post nuclear war the spicy little bombs went boom boom and instead of getting rid of humanity and eradicating humanity it changes people's dna and they either become my world's version of zombies which are the pansies or they get magical powers that are range from like elemental magic through cooler things like controlling bugs, having that seer ability, the ability to mind speak. So the story starts with Amaya in the middle of a field struggling with her alcohol addiction and her best friend comes up to her and tells her that there's been this accident. I think this is pretty spoiler-free because it's on the blurb on the back, but Amaya's fiance Jax is injured in an explosion he doesn't make it. So she has to figure out why this happened and who's behind it. And so she goes through her own period of grief, which is where the mental health aspect really comes into play in the book. And then we meet a few characters that are snarky, broody, are optimistic BFF, and they are going through this journey with Amaya trying to figure out what's going on and it ends up in a cross-country journey and ends with betrayal that gets me lots of angry DMs. <laughs> <laughs> totally valid. Absolutely valid. I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> I love it. So you talk a lot about like mental health rep and addiction and grief and sort of handling that, you know, kind of throughout the journey for all of our characters. So what sparked you to share that and write that? And did you find it difficult to put that on the page? Yeah. So for me, writing this book was kind of about my own healing journey. In 2020, I lost a few friends. And then before that, I lost some close family members. And so I really needed a way to channel and kind of get my own grief out on page. So that aspect was really hard to write. Some of the scenes like Jax's funeral scene, when Amaya's at the grave, and a few of the other scenes, it was hard to write, but it was healing for me. And as far as like the addiction aspect, that was just something that it felt right to put on page because, you know, that's not my own personal journey, but I know that for a lot of people, it kind of begins there and it doesn't necessarily end. You know, I have family members that kind of struggle with addiction. And so I kind of wanted to put that out there for other people. The main goal with writing this was, you know, we can't relate to a post-apocalypse situation, but yeah. I really wanted people to be able to relate to the characters and help on their own healing journey by reading this and just really have the story resonate with them. Yeah. I loved it. I think like 
the way that you set everything up where, you know, she was feeling, I have to run this entire compound and like do all those sorts of things, which not a lot of us can relate to, but it also just felt so real. And like, these are just daily pressures that she has to deal with that we all as people probably have to deal with in our jobs and our lives and like people depending on you and stuff. And yeah, even though we're not in the post-apocalyptic world, like her character is very real. And I loved that. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I think that's one of my favorite responses that I get is yeah. that you know, Amaya's journey just really helped a lot of people and that she felt real. I know that when I wrote her that there was a good chance that she would be one of those unlikable main characters. And that was actually kind of my goal was I wanted her to be unlikable at the beginning and just really have her grow on the reader throughout the trilogy. But I know that like at the end of the book, she starts to become a little softer. Yeah. Um, see inside her mind and that she's not really just like this stone cold bitch like she's got that that extra side to her yeah yeah and it's very like flawed and I think that keeps the characters you know kind of interesting and then at the same time you're like okay I can like this person because they remind me of either me or someone I know or what have you and like Mm -hmm. that, that keeps the fantasy element of it a little less like fantasy you're still you're still like into it so yeah yes. I love that Mary Sue freeze <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love it okay so let's talk a little bit about what inspired your specific characters did they come from you know anyone in particular any other characters that you know what kind of brought all of them to life yeah so I say I always say that none of the characters are me but they all kind of have like a piece of me within them with different parts of their personality so um I think all of them kind of represents different parts of me, but then there are some, like I said, that Amaya is very Aelin coded, which is just funny because you love Amaya, but like you don't like Aelin. I see why their stories kind of differ some aspects. And then as far as some of the side characters, Reyna is, sounds so weird saying that. Have you seen that Jurassic Park cartoon on Netflix? No, I have not. Okay. I was obsessed with it. Me and my fiance were obsessed with it during COVID. There's a character on there who's just a very chipper farm girl. Loved her personality. Her name's Sammy. Loved her personality. And then Geraldine from Zodiac Academy. Rain is kind of a mush mix of them. Okay. And then Seth is very similar to Buck on 911 um, with his temper and his adrenaline junkie aspects yes. to his character <laughs> but he's different in ways that Buck isn't uh, spoiler yeah. <laughs> and then Riley just kind of really reminds me of Hawk from Scandal and then um Fenris from the Throne of Glass series okay. uh, just a mix of people too so none of them are like Exactly. Oh, and then Prescott. Um, Prescott is the only one that I really did try to base off of somebody else. He's Rick from The Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Okay, that makes sense. So they all pull from somewhere, but they are all very different. Like, it's just that core portion of them that is yeah. similar. You, like, want people to be like, oh, he definitely reminds me of, but yeah. is not the same. No, I like that. And I think it, it makes it feel, too, like, you get a little more immersed in the story when you're like, oh, I definitely feel, you know, I'm, like, a huge Scandal fan, and this is giving me that same vibe, and, like, yeah, just just kind of brings you in a little faster. I love that. That's awesome. What uh, what drew you to the genre of like dystopian post-apocalyptic in the first place? So when I was reading in high school, middle school, I was reading a lot of apocalypse, zombie, dystopian type books. And I feel like I'm aging myself here, but those like mid 2000 years yeah. were very heavy with the dystopian stuff, even with the movies, Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner, all of that stuff was coming out. So that was kind of just like locked and loaded in my memory. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually rewatched Warm Bodies for the first time a few weeks ago, and I realized oh, okay. that I had internalized their zombies and then wrote them as pansy. <laughs> later. So I was- love that crazy to see that was one of my favorite zombie books I think it was actually the first zombie book that I ever read and then I just went through my whole zombie girl phase with The Walking Dead huge yeah. so I wanted to stick to my core stick to what really had me as a reader and then in my 20s I've become a fantasy girly so yeah fantasy was just the way for me I feel like okay yeah I was gonna ask where you got the idea for the magic system and like what made you want to include that part of that Mm-hmm. honestly like a large portion of the story really started with a random idea on a random December <laughs> night and in, 
I just channeled everything that I knew throughout my life and loved and put it into this crazy genre match. I love it. I love it. No, and I think it's really cool too, because like in these post-apocalyptic ones, you're like, most of the time they're just human and then they're fighting against whatever and they have to survive. And you're like, okay, there's no way they're going to just like make it on their own. But mm-hmm. I love the idea of the zombies like not being infectious. And I love, that's kind of yes. a spoiler, but I love the idea of them like not being infectious and then them being out- able to have like this magical part of it as like main characters. And it's like, this is sustainable and you maybe are able to like overcome it. Um, there's a series by Julie Kagawa. It's called the immortal rules. I think yeah. it's the blood of Eden series, what have you, but like the, it's like zombies and then it's vampires and people. So like, mm-hmm. it's a, a very similar type of style where you're like, okay, well maybe you guys like could potentially overpower them cause you're vampires, but yeah. there's like so many zombies that you're like, okay, can never like actually do it. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, and that's really why I chose not to have the infectious bites because yeah. it just felt like doom and gloom when you live in a world where as soon as you get bit, you are just going to automatically turn into the zombie. Um, like you, it just feels like humanity has no fighting chance. And that's why I said like yeah. one of the themes is just like hope in humanity and just hope in like seeing that, you know, the world's falling to shit and humanity is still finding a way to thrive Right. depending on the territory that you live in yeah <laughs> um, but there's like you know there's a sense of normal and normalcy in some of the territories and then others they're really struggling and then we have this secret territory that gets explored in book two that I'm really excited to be writing and exploring because it's just very different than what you've been seeing in the other territories and then there's the third territory where, you know, there's people that are just living free and nobody really knows what's going on over there either. So there's just different aspects of the world to explore. Yeah. And I think that keeps like you very interested and also like makes the story a lot more fun because it's not like, like you said, it's not doom and gloom all the time. And you're not like, okay, everybody's going to die. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that like bothers me the most about zombie movies and like The Walking Dead in particular. I'm like always nervous because I'm like, okay, somebody's going to die yeah. from like one very simple thing. Like you guys are just hanging out living your lives and like one little scratch and you're dead so yeah yeah, I really liked that and I was like okay this this gives me less anxiety because that's the one thing I have with like zombie movies is like (laughs) a lot of anxiety of who's gonna die you know what I mean (laughs) yeah yeah I love that so a lot of authors say it's really hard to write like pets and children what made you decide to include so many like immersive very uh, important characters that are pets Yeah, I have Sucker Punch, which is Alexi's baby. Uh, And then I have our little Doberman, which is Amaya's little girl, her Harley. So I love dogs and I just felt like there should be a safe spot for readers. Spoiler, that nothing will ever happen to the dogs. I I appreciate that. I really do. (laughs) Nothing will ever happen to them. I just wanted one, like readers to just have like, okay, these characters will always be safe yeah they're like man's best friend and I feel like it was kind of my way to humanize both of them especially Amaya at the beginning when she really was kind of cold and then when Alexi came in he was this mystery guy and he was kind of a hard ass and then you get that scene where you know sucker punch is introduced and you see that softer side of him yeah and you're like okay He's crazy, but maybe he's not like a psychopath. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. He's been like alone for a while, but also he had this dog. So yeah. it's very much giving like, uh, what's that Nicholas Sparks book where Zac Efron plays in it and he has like a dog. Uh, do, you know, do you remember that movie? Can't remember the name. Whatever that is. It, it gives me that same vibe. <laughs> and I like that because it's like, I don't know. You always get that character who even though, or like it gives like, I am legend. I guess that's a better example. It yes. gives, I am legend. Yes. Yes. Except the dog will be safe. this <laughs> Yeah. 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 I will never forgive them for that, but I'm so traumatized by that movie. <laughs> I am never going to be over it. Will I watch it again? No. <laughs> exactly. For, for that reason. And that's also kind of why I was like, okay, the dogs are safe here. This is a safe space, but this is a safe space. No, I love it. I'm like envious. Like I wish my dog was that well behaved, but I love reading about it. So I was just curious because yeah, a lot of people say it's like hard to write that because then you always have to be like okay there's a dog taken care of does it have food does it have water are they coming back for it like all that kind of stuff and yeah I was actually in one of the origin stories that I had Amaya and Harley are like going back to her apartment this is like prior to the compound and everything and she's trying to get something out of her apartment that she needs for survival and you know her and Harley face some troubles and afterwards Amaya gives Harley a treat 
And my editor wrote a comment and she was like, oh, so just during an apocalypse, Amaya has treats in her pocket. And I was like, oh, you're right. I've got to like do something to go back and like make it make sense a little bit. But yeah, also Harley is one of the, the main motivators. If you check out the origin stories, Harley is Amaya's main motivator for survival at, at one point in time. So she's really her emotional support throughout the story before, you know, she got her found family. Yeah, I loved that. I was reading the origin stories again just before the interview because I was like, <laughs> I just need a little refresh. And I really liked that part where you said it because it is true. Like, I think it, innately as people, when we are dog moms, like we are those people that are like this. I mean, I always think about that. Like, not that I'm not like I'm anticipating it, but I'm like, OK, in the zombie apocalypse, like, how am I going to get all three of my dogs out? One of them goes in a backpack. <laughs> the other one is SOL. <laughs> and then, then the third one I'll just be carrying. But like, yeah, I, I love that. And I like that they're they have their own personality and they're such big characters and they do kind of bring on the persona of her, you know, as this like badass leader. But then at the same time, like she actually is a really well behaved, like soft dog. And I yeah. really like that. I love that she's a Doberman. It's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love bully breeds. So I'm like, oh, uh, I was like, oh, I love this. So did you find it hard to write all the like action and adventure scenes like, you know, the big fight scenes with the pansies or any of those sorts of things like where there's a lot going on? Did you kind of struggle to write that or was that something you really enjoyed writing? They were really fun to write. I think my favorite one is the one where Alexi and I are in the woods, but it definitely was a little bit difficult. I am not a fighter I took like some MMA classes years ago but I leaned on a lot of videos and I was just like kind of in here like reenacting scenes I'm like okay pause write that down pause write that down but as a reader I really like having those scenes in the book so it was really important for me because I feel like it helps with pacing when things are a little bit slow to kind of add that fight scene in yeah they were a challenge but not the most challenging thing for the book to write Totally fair. I like loved those. And I think you did a really great job with them. My favorite thing to read is like action and adventure and like fight scenes. Yeah. So I'm like a big fight scene girl. So when I was reading them, I was like, these felt very realistic. They were, I loved the pacing of them. And so I was just wondering if like, yeah, you had experience or if you struggled with those at all, or if it was really fun for you to write. So I love it. They were fun. They were fun. I'm glad you loved them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, here we go. And I think, <laughs> yeah, like it does get really hard. Cause you're like, okay, whose arm is where and how fast are they moving and like what's going on? And yeah, I love when they're like really well done. That's one of the big reasons my favorite series is Red Rising is because like all of his action and fight scenes are really good. And I was like, this gives very similar vibes. So I love it. So what made you decide to do the multi POV? And did you like struggle with that at all? Was it really easy for you? And is there a particular point of view that was hard? Yeah, I wanted to do the multiple multi POV because uh, it was really important for me to make Amaya an unreliable narrator for spoilery reasons I one needed to kind of trick the reader a little bit but also you know I feel like when there's books that are just written from one POV it kind of cages the reader in and not be any outside perspective and so I really wanted to show especially because Maya is struggling with mental health and everything I really wanted to show how she was affecting other people in the way that they were seeing things that weren't necessarily the same as how she was seeing things that were happening They weren't really that hard, surprisingly, considering how many there were, just because all of the characters are so distinct and different. None of them are really similar. So I would kind of like, you know, they have their Pinterest boards and I would just like stare at their Pinterest for like five minutes and then put on a song that like really reminded me of them. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the mode of like to mow right now. Let me just write this down. I think the hardest one for me initially was writing Lexi's point of view, just because I wanted him to be morally gray, but not irredeemable to the point where people are like, ew, like they get an ick from him. Yeah. Um, But I also really wanted to make it where it was coming from a man's point of view and it didn't sound like a woman writing a man, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. No, I I really liked his point of view too, because he was so like broody and you're like, he has to be cagey even internally. Mm -hmm. So that like, obviously we don't spoil a lot, but like still maintain that aspect of like, he has some sort of mission, whatever it is. And we're, we want to know what it is and we want to like him. Like we, we have to be (laughs) encouraged to like him. So yeah, I love that. I really like when you do the multi POV, like I think, especially in a fantasy novel or like a dystopian, like this type of thing, I think it changes the aspects a lot. Like 
I do struggle a little bit when it's one, because like you said, you're, you never know if your narrator's like unreliable or not. And when she mm-hmm. gets a little unreliable and you get like other points of view, you're like, okay, okay. So I see that my thoughts about her are not crazy. All right. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I also want to slap her. Okay, cool. Awesome. It's not just me. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. So what was the hardest scene for you to write or the hardest type of scene? I think the hardest scenes were one, the betrayal scene. Because, and, and I expanded across multiple point of views, so you kind of got to see everybody's reaction to it. And writing everybody's reactions, and they were so different, yet based in her at the same time, was really hard. And there was one character, um, who shall not be named, that <laughs> writing that scene was just so heartbreaking. Because yeah. just the sense of betrayal that they were experiencing on every level like it just broke my heart for them. Yeah. And then and then the, the scenes that were going through grief in general, because yeah. I felt like I was kind of putting my own thoughts onto paper. And then knowing that everybody was going to read them, I was like, I'm writing in a journal. And now everyone's going to know my thoughts. Yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I can just laugh it off. It's fiction. Ha ha ha. It's not. And yeah. we're like the dog sitting at the table and the room's on fire. Is very yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's so valid. I love that. Uh, yeah. I feel like those are really hard scenes to write too, because you're like, I don't want to do this, but like, I have to, because this is where the story is going. Yeah. And just know I'm as sad as you are. <laughs> right. It, that ending, I was just as mad as at myself as other people. Yeah. At yeah. me um, very much. And then in rereading it and seeing the character interactions, knowing where everything went, I was just like, this has to be a sick joke. <laughs> I hate myself. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> no, I love it. And it's always good to know that you guys are hurting because we are too. <laughs> so yeah. And I think that's important. You know, as an author, you have to make those decisions that kind of rip your heart out because mm-hmm. you know that it's going to have the same effect on, on your readers and to kind of take risks you know, not everything is going to be happy all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we love books because, you mm-hmm. know, it's a really good escape and like crazy things happen and it makes us sad and feel things. So I love that. So in contrast to that, what is your favorite scene to write or like favorite type of scene to write? So my favorite scene that I wrote was that tavern scene because, and I, I talked about this on my Instagram a little bit. It was a scene where at that one point in the book, everybody was happy and you were able to see the characters just at their base personality without any of the other troubles like around them so like you know the book starts at a very dark place and it kind of just goes from one trauma to the next um but this one point in time within the book everybody was just happy and the reader could see how the characters were truly are like off page my favorite scenes are the ones where the family is all together and interacting with each other. I'm a girl's girl, so I love seeing Tamo and Reina interact with Amaya and just Tamo is her little devil on the shoulder. I think I said that like Reina keeps her, makes Amaya a better person and Tamo keeps her honest. And so I liked writing that dynamic. And Reina is just so fun and just joyous and has that kiddish aspect to her that I really enjoy writing those scenes with them. And then in contrast, seeing Seth and Riley and their variations of being broody. And then you add Alexarius to the mix and you just see a lot of different personalities in one space. And I, I like those scenes the most. Yeah. I like to see how everyone like responds to each other too. And I think that makes it really like interesting dynamic and they're very like fun as a group. So I love a found family trope. So I was like dying when I was reading this. <laughs> I wish I could be with them. It, it's so hard, like, you know, writing them. And then I, I walk away from the screen. I'm like, these people aren't real. <laughs> like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm okay. That You're is like, totally fair. Yeah. You're like, I'm just going to go cry about it. It's fine. Don't mind me. <laughs> There's actually this book that I picked up from the bookstore. It's called Kill Your Darlings. Ellie Harper. I haven't read it yet, but it's about the author falls like asleep and she ends up in the world that she wrote and it's following her plot and she has to figure out how to get out but she knows all the bad things that are going to happen and I picked it up because I was like as terrible as things tend to go in my world I would love to just be around my characters a little bit and interact with them. That is such an interesting concept. I, yeah, I like that. It's like that video game movie where like you're in the game. 
Yes. Yeah. It's a good movie that I also can't remember the name. <laughs> I also can't remember it either. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really like that. And I think it's like, it's crazy because we make these characters or like we all relate to them. And that's like, it's such a wild concept that we're like, we are just in love with fictional people and we just like want to invest all of our heart and soul into them. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it's like for you guys to like create these characters. And then, you know, when you finish the trilogy or when you finish your like eight book series or whatever, like, you know, SJM, it's like, how do you let those people go you know what I mean I think about that so often I am just like so attached to them and I have other series that I want to work on but then in the back of my mind I'm like but these are my people yeah (laughs) that's right and that's why we end up with like 17 book long series because people yeah I mean Mm -hmm. I support that I'll read them all so (laughs) I love it Looking at you, Zodiac Academy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's awesome. So is there a character, speaking of all your characters, is there a character that you relate to the most? Oh, gosh. I think that I am a nice mix of Maya and Timo. Kind of meeting somewhere in the middle. You know, everyone wants to be the hero in a story. I certainly know that I would not be the hero. So, but there's just certain parts of Maya's personality that I relate to. But then most snarky sarcastic self is just very much me writing her banter was just very natural for me yeah so yeah yeah she was actually not supposed to end up as being as big of a character as she was but in book two I'm having a really good time expanding on her because when I was writing her I was just like I feel like you need to play a little bit of a bigger role here that's right that's awesome I love that and I like when you get to do that because you're the author and you know when you Mm -hmm. kind of feel as you go on your journey like you enjoy this character more like you know you want them to be a bigger part of it and I think that's really cool because they they're going on a journey with us all (laughs) is there a character that you relate to the least uh or like you wouldn't want to be friends with in real life oh would it okay I I wouldn't want to be friends with Amaya even though she's like a little bit like me (laughs) she's a very (laughs) difficult person and she just has these aspects the thing about Amaya is she cares so deeply about everybody but at the same time she does have those very selfish aspects like she cares about everybody to the point that it's very selfish but I relate the least to Reyna just because she's so optimistic all the time. I would love to be her friend, but yeah. I won't be doing any of that. Just, <laughs> yeah, she's just so bubbly. And I think that she's one of the only characters that I have that is actually just good to her core. And I really admire that aspect about her. Yeah, I really like that too. And I feel like I'm not an optimistic person. So I, I need those people in my life. And like, I might not like Aelin because it's it's like looking in a mirror like maybe I'm not a good they say that I don't well I didn't like Nesta for a long time and then I did some self-reflection and I was like girl Nesta is you and I was like oh it it, it really happens that way yeah 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 when I read A Court of Silver Flames I was like oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) what a book about me yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd rather stare directly in the sun than in a mirror. I'll just like say that (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, and and I think that's why I do like these characters a lot because I feel like for me, it's like, okay, I feel like I'm also really broody, but it's nice to know that there are these characters out there that are like optimistic and are willing Mm -hmm. to listen to people and like have that aspect to them. So yeah, yeah, that was one of the things I like loved about this. I was like, we get a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I feel less bad (laughs) feeling like I relate a little too closely to her. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what has it been like for you being an author in the age of like the bookish interwebs, like bookstagram, book talk, you know, all that kind of stuff? It's definitely interesting. I love the community of it all. I was able to connect with a lot of people that kind of helped me along the way because being indie, there's so much that goes into writing a book just besides writing and just really having this core group of people that you can lean on for questions or just motivation is really nice. And then just being able to connect with like different readers and feeling like I'm not just writing for nothing is is really nice to, um, to keep me going with writing. But sometimes it gets a little hard just comparing yourself to other indie authors. I try not to. And like, I'm happy for everybody's success. But then like when you look at their success and then you look at what you're doing, It's a little mentally taxing. I definitely don't scroll on TikTok the way that I used to before I was an author, just because it kind of becomes, it feels a little bit like work sometimes 
when you're just constantly looking for that trend that you can use to promote your work because you're always having to promote and make sure that your book's getting out there and finding the readers and um, it has its pros and cons I try to keep a really healthy balance for it yeah absolutely yeah it's like it's such a fun and welcoming community and like it's cool to get to do this like for me I'm like oh my god I'm fangirling and like getting to meet people that write amazing books but yeah it's definitely one of those things that's like if you get too deep into it you get too long into it you're like it gets a little toxic. And I think that's with any like aspect of social media and like being on the internet too long. But yeah, the community part of it's really fun. And as long as no one's being mean. <laughs> I love the book community yeah. so much. But yeah, yeah. When you see those, the, the mean stuff happening, I, I try to just like put the blinders on. Yep. Yeah. An author lane. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No. And that's totally fair for you too. Like the scrolling and it's like, it can get really easy to like get obsessive and you know, it's like your job is to like focus on your work and how great it is and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm glad you're finding the community. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> it brought me to you. So yeah, I love it. I love it. So what made you decide to do indie versus like traditional publishing and like querying and all that kind of stuff? I'm impatient. <laughs> I, I, when I was writing this, I took a few, I guess, like workshops trying to figure out which route that I wanted to go. And so one of the main things was just knowing how impatient I was and how quickly I wanted this story out. Being traditionally published can take years and it doesn't always happen where most of the time for a lot of people, it doesn't happen. And then also just kind of maintaining that own autonomy over my work and when it's put out, what goes into it and all the little pieces. There's definitely the struggles that come with being indie and the costs and everything that you have to do up front, but I wouldn't trade doing indie for the world. I plan on staying that way. There is one series that I'm kind of like toggling with that I want to write that I might try the traditional route. But for now, I I kind of just like this the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think the indie industry has changed so much in the last few years. And like, it is such a, I think, I don't want to say like safer space, but it's like such a safer space for you guys to come into and like learn from. And I feel like everybody's so welcoming and like willing to give advice and yeah. It's awesome. I, I what I love about the book community is everybody is a girl's girl and yes. they are just so much so supportive your smallest wins they make it feel like it's the biggest one in the world and yes just really uplifting I really love that yeah there's no gatekeeping here like we oh. <laughs> yeah no I love it and it's really fun too because it's cool to like see your friends succeed and like to mm-hmm. get to know people who are like like you and I you know and I'm like oh my god I'm so happy for you can we be best friends and <laughs> exactly. it's cool to kind of yeah get to see you like put what you want out there and not have to wait forever one and then two you yeah. know like right have to go through all these different like hoops essentially to to get what you want published I love it that's awesome do you have any advice for any aspiring authors yeah, I think one of the, for writing advice specifically, one of the best things that I was told is that there's no such thing as writing yourself in a corner because you can always get out of it. So if you feel like you are at this point where you're re- reaching writer's block, I was told to delete the entire chapter and imagine the most outlandish thing that could happen and then write it down and see how much better your scene was able to get and it's helped me where I haven't yet experienced writer's block because I've taken that approach and Mm -hmm. I was thankful that I got that advice at the beginning of writing rather than like hitting writer's block and then being like oh shit how do I get out of this and then also you know there is the advice in some of the writer spaces to write to market and I feel like while that could be profitable, you should always kind of stay true to like what you want to write. Because if you're writing something that you want to write, other people are going to love it. If you love what you're doing, people will love it. But if you're just writing just to put something out there, then like you kind of risk being unfulfilled in a way. Um, And I think that when, when you do publishing and you write something that you want to share with the world, that you should always be fulfilled by what you're putting out there. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier to not write yourself into a corner and get writer's block when you're writing what you want to write too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think that's the other thing too, is like on one hand, there's no original idea out there, but on the other hand, it's like your idea is so original. So like, don't try to fit the mold and like make it fit a specific thing. So, cause like, that's not 
I don't know. There's a lot of gen. I think there's a lot to be said about like being genuine too, especially in like the indie author space. I'm like, yeah, we all want to read something very different. I have run into that recently where I've read a lot of books that are like very similar to other ones. And I'm like, I don't want this. I want something cool. That's very, yeah, that's really important to me. And yeah, the aspect of being genuine as an indie author, I feel like that is your selling point. Yeah. Um, People want to know that they're supporting someone that is genuine and they're not trying to be another person or another author or or doing something that they're not happy with. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) So what's next for you? You mentioned this one's a trilogy and you have a couple other ideas, but like what's kind of the timeline and what's next for you? So I am, well, at this point, about <laughs> 80% through book two. That has been really interesting to write. I'm at the point in writing where I'm about to break my own heart all over again. <laughs> so it goes off to my editor in October, looking to send out to art readers in end of December, beginning of January-ish. The original goal was to publish it in January, but Sarah's publishing in January. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. (laughs) I think um, probably mid-February, maybe a little Valentine's Day gift. I'm decided. And then I'm going to, in between book one and book two, I kind of took a two-ish, three-month break in between writing not going to do that this time. I'm going to write through to book three, get that out there. There is a standalone that I have planned for this world from, I have a standalone that I want to write for her attached to this. And then I have a, another series that I am working on with another author, kind of like paranormal romance with of course my sci-fi twist to it so waiting for her to figure out when we're going to announce that but I know we want to have at least book one out before book scouts and crowns next October okay um, so we can have that available and then I have a larger series that I want to work on that will probably be out 2025 that is just the general basis of the hollow earth theory and kind of looking at it with a sci-fi lens but also the fantasy lens right now I'm really looking at kind of hollow earth portal falling through into like a fey world Um, but that one's going to take a lot of research so my publishing schedule will probably slow down for that one um in 2025 it'll probably just be one book I love that that's awesome you are very busy (laughs) I am, I am. But I have like all of these ideas that I'm trying to get out before, you know, use it or lose it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> before they just disappear. Yeah. I yeah. love it. That's awesome. That sounds so fun. Those are really cool ideas and I love it. And I can't wait to see where the trilogy goes and like the rest of the books that you're writing. And I'm very into a paranormal romance with a sci-fi twist. So <laughs> I'm so excited for that one. It was so funny because we were talking and she was like, I have this idea. And then I was like, girl, I have that exact idea, but (laughs) we're in it. And then we just kind of like sent each other like the eyes emoji. And then we like switched to texting and we're like, okay, so when are we writing this? So (laughs) super excited for that one. She's a great writer. Hopefully our ideas blend very well together. Yeah. I love that. I love a co-written book. It's like, I'm like a big Christina Lauren stan, so I'm into it. <laughs> that is awesome. So you mentioned books, gowns, and crowns. What events are you going to next year or like the end of this year? Are you going to any signings or like local things? So the only event that I have planned so far is next year, books, gowns, and crowns. That's I think like October 17th through the 20th. Yeah. Something like that in Seattle. So that is my planned event. There is a bookstore in Northern Virginia. Uh, I think it's Warrington's. Drew's bookstore opens in November. It's about 30 minutes from my parents' house. So I may next summer try to set up a signing there, but there's no like confirmed dates. They will be having where they do have my book. So it will be available at its first bookstore there. <laughs> uh, but other than that, no, next year, I actually have my wedding planned. So oh gosh. that is like taking up a lot of, headspace um to, like, overwhelm myself I may be at Imaginarium next year but okay. supporting Michaela so if somebody sees me and they want me to say hi or want to say <laughs> hi I will say hi if you have my book I will sign it but I'm not there as like a signing author okay perfect good to know because I am also going to Imaginarium so I will bring the book <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. That is good to know. I was like, mm. <laughs> you're, you're busy. I, I'm, you're like never home. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. And I'm like, so I have like a couple author friends that I do like that. I am doing like assisting for at a few events. And then I have like, I work for a publisher. So like, I have a lot of events that I'm like doing next year too. So I'm like, Imaginary Readers Take Denver, a Polycon, we're like Book Bonanza, you know, the, like Steamy Lit, hopefully again. I love that it's like on the West Coast, like Books, Guns, and Crowns. We were talking about doing Rare in Edinburgh and Berlin. Like, I'm like, well, let's do it. <laughs> I'm so jealous that you're going to that one. I think that's so funny that it's like literally happening two months before my honeymoon there because oh, I would be like, like, babe, I know we're on our honeymoon, but. but- <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we honeymoon shop maybe we like location browse I don't know it's just it's a write-off that's what I'm telling myself <laughs> awesome so where can everybody find you on the internet in life in general where can they find your book all that stuff yes so I am on TikTok I'm on all the socials but if you find me on what it's not Twitter anymore if you find me on X and Facebook I'm not active on there but I am there that is author in Nicole but I am very active on TikTok I post like five days a week and Instagram I post on my story pretty much every day that's author Nell Nicole so since most people probably don't know how to spell Nell Nicole it's N-E-L-L-E-N-I-K-O-L-E and you can purchase my book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble Books Million Thrift Books all those places but I also have my three free origin stories that we spoke about for the leading ladies, Tamo, Amaya, and Reina. That's for free. You can go to my website, authornellnicole.com, or you can find the link for it on my socials for the free download. And I think that's everything. I am writing Alexarius and Seth's origin stories as well. That's probably going to be attached to... Um, book two yeah. I love that and I did forget to mention book two is getting spicy so spicy. book one is no spice but book two spicy good to know good to know I love that I feel like there's like this weird thing with new adult too where like before the expectation was like it was okay if it wasn't spicy and then everybody was like oh if it's new adult it has to be so mm-hmm. I love a good mix I love a good healthy mix yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm reading another like sci-fi sort of like urban fantasy series right now. And the first one is like not that spicy. And then she's like, it just gets worse. And I'm like, good to know. <laughs> I feel like everyone kind of needs that trigger warning, especially yeah. Scene that I was I was just writing before this. Trigger warnings, people. Like the- <laughs> hot, hot, hot. I love it. That is awesome. Okay, so that's all the questions that I have. I really appreciate you coming on. I had a great time chatting with you. Thanks for the invite. I was so excited. Yeah. No, I was like, uh, yes, definitely. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.